Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are in part seven. We're winding this up. Next week is the last week of Paper Planes. And I've just really enjoyed um, walking through this series together. I'm very excited about our next series in November. And um, it's something we've never done in the history of our church. Uh, And so Cutie and I are going to to, uh, take the whole month and we're going to be doing a a relationship series uh, specifically on marriage. And we're going to do every Sunday together. (laughs) Lord! So, so pray for both of us. <laughs> so it works if one of us has the mic and the other one has a chair. And so, but yes, yeah, she just found out. No, no, no. This was actually her idea. So I'm really excited about it. Our marriage retreat happens in the middle of it. And so we're, we've been praying for marriages. And, and so we're, we're very excited about that. Uh, but this week we're, um, we're, we're, we're beginning the, the wrap-up on this Paper Plane series, and we keep coming back to this concept that to truly move forward in God, we must let Him shape our lives. we got to let Him shape our lives. Guess what? Your life is being shaped. It is. Your experiences, culture, your own, your own ideas about things, they're, they're shaping your life. They're shaping it. So as Christ followers, what we should be doing is making a conscious decision that we want to let Christ shape our lives. We want to let the the work of the Holy Spirit begin to come in and shape our lives. And honestly, that's the heart of discipleship. That big, scary, churchy word is really just giving God permission to shape us. To say, you know what, we were once headed in one direction, making one kind of sets of decisions and living life with one set of outcomes we were pursuing. And in Christ, we're going to let him begin to direct all of that. And we keep looking at Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we're doing it in the message translation on purpose because we can get very familiar with this passage of scripture. If you've been a believer very long, you have leaned on Romans 8, 28. And so we're going to look at it and just kind of interrupt our thought flow and look at the message translation. So let's go ahead and look at this passage of Scripture again. It says, that's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity He restored. We receive the, see the original and intended shape of our lives there in Him. We see it when we read the Scriptures and we study and we learn about Jesus. It's not just to be able to answer all of the Sunday school questions and, and we want to be able to have the head knowledge of it. But, but what should be a deeper thing that's taking place is the Holy Spirit should be reminding you and, and, and showing you that this is where we're going. This Christ-likeness is where we're headed. Look how Jesus responded in this scenario. This is what I want to do in your life. Look at how Jesus responded here. This is what I want to do in your life. And so many times we can set Jesus up here and us down here. And we're so grateful that he would would, would turn his eyes and would care and would dare to die for us. 
But what a beautiful thing is that that's not where it ended. That's not where it ended. And my goodness, would that be enough? Oh, it would be enough. It would be way more than any of us ever deserved. But God is a God who does exceedingly, abundantly above anything we could ask or even imagine. He's that kind of God. So yeah, that kind of God is not just going to pick us up out of the ditch, but he's now going to begin to reshape our lives into the image of the one who pulled us up out of the ditch, who changed everything. And so as we begin to choose to let God shape us, we need to understand that our choices have to be aligned with that choice. As we do that, we have to understand that, that letting God shape our lives means choosing God's way over our own way. Choosing God's way over our own. And man, this is the, so, so difficult for us so many times. So many times we think we kind of have this thing figured out. And choosing can become a, a difficult task at times. Sometimes it's simply because of information overload. Like as soon as this is over, everybody's hit with the big question. What do you want to eat? And some of you were proactive and you answered that question yesterday when you let something get thawed and you put it in the crock pot or the oven and it's waiting on you. And now you're thinking about it and I have to try to get your attention back off of your lunch right now. And so some of you are proactive, but most of us were not. I have zero idea what I'm going to eat. And so and we're going to have to, to talk about and, and ask that big question of what do you want to eat? And then there's always the answer, I don't know. <laughs> or the other one, the, the one that really snares you, I don't care. Oh, great, well then let's go to roses. Oh, I had roses yesterday. <laughs> okay, 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 well then let's just go get some pizza. Oh, I had pizza this week. Wait a minute, I thought you didn't care. Well, I really, I don't care. Just wherever. It's terrible. So, and all of a sudden, now all of this then begins. We just, and the problem with it is that we have information overload. We have lots and lots and lots of options. There's other people involved. And all of a sudden, this choosing can begin to feel more complex than it really is. Choosing to follow Christ and choosing His way isn't that difficult we, he's, he's lined it out. His Holy Spirit begins to, to lead us and to guide us. And first and foremost, He's leading us and guiding us in love. But sometimes there can be other issues where we're just not blindsided with an everyday kind of question that we've answered that when we've honestly got tired of answering that question. Cutie has literally told me before, do not ask what, we, what are we going to eat. I'm tired of hearing that question. So then I, you know, we uh, figure it out, and she rolls with it. So sometimes there are those, we just get tired of it. We just get tired of, of dealing with that. But then we get blindsided with things. We're like, I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't even know this was a question. And I had one of those as a youth pastor years ago, and we used to do a, a deal called Planet X. Anybody ever attended Planet X back when you were a kid? All right, we got a few Planet Xers. Awesome, awesome. We got a few Planet Xers in the house. And so I love that. And um, we had a bus ministry, and we'd send five buses out, and we'd pick up teenagers all over the place. And 
I was, a, I was a, one of the bus pastors, and I had a, commu- a little area, part of our community we'd go to pick up. And, and we had had a great youth meeting. All of our five buses had left, and, and we were now just had to take the teens home. It's like, okay, we're in the, the, the final stretch. Everything's okay. And, and this particular day, not only was I bus pastor, but I was bus driver. So I ended up having no second with me. We always tried to have two people on the bus, and, and um, I'm like, you know what, I'm... You know, if somebody's not going to have a second, I'll be the one. You know, every time you kind of John Wayne it up, you're going to be in trouble. And so, and, um, so I'm alone on the bus with about 35 teenagers um, that only about two of them's parents attended the church. So you can't even call mom and dad and say, man, you need to fix your kid. And, um, and so it's, it's the normal noise. It's the normal youth noise on the bus. And then at some point going down Bryant, the, the noise changed. And all of a sudden then there was this little bit too much quiet and a little bit of snickering. And so and I look up in the big bus driver mirror and, I, and nothing's happening. But tons of eyes are looking back at me. So I know something's up. So I sat there, but I got to keep driving. I'm going down Bryant. I passed under the bridge going north. And it happens again. And I'm like, mm, and I'm trying to see what's going on and trying to figure this out. And nothing's happening. I go a little bit further. And it happens again. And this time I notice in the corner of my eye, in my little bus driver mirror on the side, this bus seat fly out the window. Like the bench part that you sit on, it is like shot out the window. As we're going down, the big multi-lines of Bryant, other cars driving. And this bus seat flies out the window. And then I keep going, and then I'm watching, and another bus seat flies out the window. So, man, I pull that bus over, and, man, I pull over into an empty parking lot, and I'm ticked, and I come to find out there's been like six bus seats go out the window down Bryant as I'm just driving along. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, people have run over these bus seats. It's, it's been a bad thing. Thankfully, it didn't cause any wrecks. So that's already bad. It's already bad, and I'm not sure what to do. So I pull over into this empty parking lot, and I'm sitting there, and it just so happens that my buddy Roy Zesh happens to be driving up the highway and sees me pull over, and he's going to check on it. Well, right as he begins to pull up, I made a bad decision. And I was like, at first I said, who did it? And, of course, nobody said. And I said, I'm calling the cops. And that back door flew open, and all my kids jumped out the back door. (laughs) Now, I'm eight blocks from the closest kid's house. These parents have trusted me with their children, and they're just... There was four of them out of 35 kids left on the bus, and... You would know it. Then when it was all said and done, the guy that threw it out the window was sitting on the bus. <laughs> Acting like he was a little angel. And the rest of them left. And I'm like, oh my, what do I do? I was, I was responsible for these kids. I have no idea. It's dark. And so I, I don't even know what to do. And I'm just paralyzed and have no idea what to do. And thankfully, Roy Zesh helped come in and and, and give me some guidance and help begin to make some decisions together and go along and, and, and begin to figure that out. But man, so many times we hit this place where, where we just have a hard time choosing. 
We have a hard time choosing because we get blindsided, and then other times we have a hard time choosing because we've just done it so many times. And so what I want us to do with the rest of our time together is, is to begin to look at, at choosing and choosing to do God's way despite all the other input. Let's look at Deuteronomy 30.19, and I really believe that this is a, a very pivotal chunk of Scripture for us. Here in Deuteronomy 30.19, it says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you. God has brought all of creation, everything that has come along prior to humanity, that God spoke it, and it existed, and it was good, and then God creates man on the sixth day. So all of the day one through five stuff gets called into witness against us in this moment. This is everything God's ever done that we have, have, have laid out in the scriptures gets involved in this moment. I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. That I've set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Choose life. There's some junk out there. There's some pain out there. There's some, there's some bad decisions out there. There's some bad influence. There's some, there's some wrong ways to go. And because humanity chose to go his own way, and now have the knowledge of good and evil from back in the garden, then now we need to learn how to choose life for the sake of life. Not just for us so that our children will be able to choose life as well. They're watching our choices. They're seeing our patterns. They're seeing where our life goes. And as we choose life, we're helping. We can't make the decision for our kids, but we are helping them. To begin to be pointed towards life. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. There's this, this enemy at work that's, that's trying to get things to bend towards the death and cursing vein. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus is saying that I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Not just life in general, but the full God kind of life. That, that's why Jesus came, to point us and show us where the life was. Because even as the children of Israel have been pointed out, this massive truth in Deuteronomy 30.19, that we're choosers, we're choosers. Humanity kept choosing death over and over again. So now Jesus comes so that we can have life and have it to the full. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of a guy, a regular old guy who made some choices. Okay, We're going to look at the life of Peter. And we're going to look at some places where he struggled and made some decisions. And the first one, normally if you're new to us, normally I just have like some words in the bulletin. But this time we're going to have some long phrases in the bulletin. Okay, So you just fill these in. But we want to let God's truth shape you. In the I've done this a million times issues of life. Sometimes that can be the difficult thing because we feel like we got a handle on it. I've done this. I know how to make this decision. I don't have to like go to God in this moment and seek God what, with, with every little thing on this thing. I, I know how to do this one, God. And so many times that's where we push God out the easiest. You know, nobody's been raised in this church. We all came here from somewhere. 
We all are sitting there and trying to figure this and pursue this God thing out together. And we've been making decisions. And we have a process. And a lot of times that process is broken and messed up. But we've done it a lot, so we're kind of comfortable with it. So what we need to do is we need to let God come into this place and speak into it where we feel like we pretty much know what we're doing here. Now let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 3. This is there again with Peter. And this is he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who's also known as Peter. And asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Pretty straightforward. Jesus spoke, used it. Jesus was using physics, using the water surface, using that to magnify his voice as he's able to speak to the crowds out onto the shore. Jesus wasn't being a prima donna and diva and wanted a little distance from the smelly herd. He was making sure they were heard. He making sure that he was heard, that they could be, that they could hear him. And so he's going out, and he's out in the boat, and this guy's a fisherman and giving up a day of, of fishing and an opportunity. And he says, "Go out, let's let's get some fish." And Simon answered, "Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the net." See, Simon was a fisherman. He'd fished that night. Lord, there's just not anything here. We'll try again later. I've caught fish before. It's not the end of the world. I'm not freaked out about this. Peter was the expert in his own boat. Jesus was a carpenter. Jesus could have built the boat. But Peter was the one that knew what to do in the boat. And even though Jesus came and said, here's what I want you to do in the place of Peter's expertise, Peter was willing to humble himself and say, my experience says there's nothing there. The fish have moved on. They're feeding somewhere else. But because you say, everything else says I shouldn't do this. Everything else says this is a waste of time. My experience, all that says it's a waste of time. But because you say, we're going to do it. We're going to let our nets down. So he lets down the nets and he pulls in this amazing catch. And it's a catch that he can't even pull into his own boat. And his nets begin to break. And he calls over some other boats to help them haul it in. And Peter freaks out and says, Lord, away from me. I am a sinful man. You are, woo, you just blow my mind here, God. You just blow my mind. And see, in this one, we see that Jesus tells Peter what to do in Peter's boat. Guess what? That's what lordship is. Lordship is saying, God, God, you have room to tell me what to do in my boat. Yes, it's my boat. I'm the captain of my boat. But I'm going to let you tell me what to do in my boat. He didn't all of a sudden sign the title over. And now all of a sudden it's Jesus' boat. It was still Peter's boat. But he let Jesus have lordship. It's your life. God gave it to you. God gave it to you and he gave you a brain. And, and he gave you the, the ability to make decisions. But what he wants is for you to take his word above everything else. Yeah. 
That's where lordship is. It's beyond personal experience. It's beyond all these other things. It's at your word, I will do it. Then the next thing we see is we need to let God's truth shape you in the I've never done this before issues of life. I've never been here. I don't know what to do in this moment. Now let's catch up with Peter again. This time in Matthew, Matthew 14, 28. It says, um, now we're going to give some, a little bit of uh, story here that the, the, the Peter's out in a boat with the other fishermen. Rough waters. It's ugly. They see this figure walking out on the water. These good little Jesus followers had the exact right first response. Ah, it's a ghost. Seriously. They went to, it's a ghost. And so he, Jesus is out there. And then they begin to realize that it's, that it's Jesus. And Jesus is out walking on the water in a storm. They were freaked out. Jesus thought it was a good day for a stroll. Man, so many times, I'm telling you, we, we covered this in the roller coaster series, but so many times when peace is there, sometimes the stuff that is freaking us out can really be the stuff that makes it awesome. Sometimes, if we understand that God's got this. So Peter says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, I love it that Peter is the one that pipes up. He's the one that lives his life out on the water. He understands people go down in the water. People sink in the water. But again, he's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And come, he said. And then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus, period. He did it. Peter walked on the water. Peter had never walked on water before. They'd never seen anybody walk on water. Otherwise, they'd have said, oh, that's water walking Louie. We know about that guy. No, it had to be a ghost who was on the water. People don't do that. Oh, yeah, that's my neighbor. They walk on water all the time. Not a big deal. No, people don't do it. And here's Peter doing it. He's walking on the water. And yet again, what does he look for? He looks for Jesus' word. He looks for, say to me, come, and I will. I'm not just going to step out in assumption. I'm just going, wow, Jesus is out there. Woo, I'm going too. And it's like, no, I, you, you give me the go-ahead. And I will walk not as much on the water. But on your word. I'll walk on your word towards you. I will walk on that. That is more solid than anything else I can have in my life. Now we get into the next verse. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Now notice this. It doesn't say Jesus sprinted across the surface of the water and saved him. Jesus reached out his hand to him. So we have this period of time where he gets out of the boat. Peter walks on the water. So there's distance. Because they can't really tell who he is. So there's enough distance to blur it out. Jesus says, if, if it's you. So he's not enough for facial recognition. 
So if it's you, ask me to come. He gets out and comes, and he gets to the point that he's within a hand reach of Jesus. And then he begins to look around. And so many times we feel like we lean on Jesus in those moments when we're like, this is impossible, this is impossible, this is impossible. And then we get right to the end. We feel like, man, we, I've made it. And then begin to survey everything around and begin to freak out. People, when we start by faith, we end in faith. We walk with God as faith to faith all the way through. And so many times we can be in this place that when it seemed completely impossible, we hung on to Jesus. And as soon as we started getting a little bit comfortable, as soon as we feel like we've kind of got this thing under control, then we, then we turn away. And that's when we sink. Folks, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus all the way. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him and said, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? You were doing it. You were walking on the water. Where'd this mess come from? Why'd you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat and the wind died down. You see that the first instance we see there when, when Peter has this connection with Jesus, that he trusted Jesus to tell him what to do in his own boat. But this next time that he trusted, he trusted him to get out of his boat. Folks, this is why being connected in church and growing in your small groups and having life-giving relationships and personal discipleship and study and all that kind of stuff is important because God will begin to ask you to do things in your boat. But he's getting you ready at some point to get out of your boat. He's getting you ready. All the winds in your boat show you that he's trustworthy when you're out of the boat. Because I'm telling you, if you can't follow Jesus and you can't trust him in the place in your own boat, you'll never, you'll never get out of it. You'll never get out of your boat. It won't happen. And guess what? Your life is bigger than your boat. God's got more for you than the little confines of your boat. But we will not begin to live by faith and walk by faith and begin to do the things he's really called us to do unless we first begin to invite him to be the Lord in our boat. And then one day he's going to say, come out here with me. Come out here with me. And it's in that moment. That's why Peter said, Lord, if it's you, say the word. I've already seen you blow my mind. You say the word and you'll do it. Now, did Peter do it perfectly? No. So guess what? First couple of times we get out of our boat, it may end up in full second baptism. We may end up all wet all over again. But you know what? That doesn't mean that you don't say, you know what? I, I'm going to get out of the boat again, and I'm going to get out of the boat again. That's how we learn. We don't have to be perfect in this. We grow in this in Christ. And then the last thing we want to look at is we're going to let God's truth shape us. In the this doesn't make any sense issues in life. Let's look at John chapter 6, verse 51. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Now, Jesus is obviously speaking in this metaphorical way. 
because he's, he's saying, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. There, he's referencing it to back to the, he's speaking to Hebrew people, referencing back to Exodus and, and the manna that came down, the bread that came down from heaven, the, this, this miraculous provision. He's connecting himself to, to what God ha, had done and this, and this people being provided when they could not provide for themselves. We cannot provide for our own sin. And, and he, he's making this connection. And all these people, are, it's just, they're just missing it. They're just, they're just missing it. It says, and then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? He wants us to take a good old bite out of Jesus. This guy's talking cannibalistic talk. This is messed up. This guy is a, is a psycho. I, we can't deal with this. Jesus, he opened it up with a metaphor. And these, these super religious people that didn't like Jesus anyways were looking to find any reason to disagree with him. They just begin to push back against it. So then Jesus begins to double down on it. He begins to have a little fun with them. It says, and then Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. You thought that was crazy. I'm going to take this another step. You're going to have to eat the flesh and drink the blood. Well, now at this moment, at this moment, we have not had the Lord's Supper where he begins to show his disciples what this means. They have not died for us and that his body and his blood had become exactly what we needed for, for life in God. It's all the pieces aren't there yet. You're simply having to take him at his word. All of it isn't laid out. And so as he's laying this out, they don't have all the pieces. And man, all of a sudden, this begins to freak some people out. It says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then you ver jump to verse 60, and it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Well, it's because it wasn't finished yet. There was still being built, and they're like, mm, he just dropped this on. I'm stuck. I can't do it. And they left. They quit following Jesus. At that point, a bunch of them stopped. We look at verse 66, it says, From this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And, and then, um, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. And Peter is the one who answers, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life. Your word changed everything in my boat. Your word changed everything when I got out of my boat. And your words, I will still cling to your word even though I can't wrap my mind around it yet. It's you. It's you. See, with this piece, this did not make full sense until after the resurrection. It began to make more sense there at the Last Supper with the handful of those 12. He said, you're going to back out? And those are the ones that were there at the Last Supper. And then he begins to carry that, that truth into a deeper place. It didn't make sense until after the resurrection of Jesus. And folks, there are some things in our lives, we're not possibly going to understand them until after our own resurrections. Until after the stuff of this world has fallen, there are some things that we just can't let go of. And the biases and the experiences keep us from seeing the truth. I think that God wants to reveal so many things to us, but we, we put roadblocks up. 
And that when we get to heaven, the word says that when we're there, we will fully know just as we are fully known. Which means that in this time period, there's some places we don't fully know. And as we begin to follow God and let him shape our lives, we're going to have to be like, like, like Peter. And trust him with the stuff in our boat. And trust him with the stuff outside of our boat. And then trust him with the stuff that we just can't even wrap our minds around. And say, you know what? When it's all said and done, you have the words of life. And we're just going to keep going forward with you. And as we begin to pursue God in these ways, it's not that we just write it off and, and we say, well, it's just one of those un, not understandable things. No, it's what we're going to say is I choose Jesus over my own understanding. And I'm going to let him begin to reveal it to me. Some of you t- this morning have had some tough questions. You've had some tough things happen in your life. And, and I'm telling you, I believe God wants to bring some healing and some revelation and some understanding to that. But some of it is going to be progressive, and you're going to have to give him some room in your boat. And then there'll be some place you're going to have to step out of your boat before you can get to that place that you begin to have the healing and the understanding on some places that just don't make any sense. And that's what discipleship is. It's giving him our whole lives. The parts we're sure of, the parts we're freaked out about, and the parts we just don't understand. And giving him that fullness. See, our, our bottom line today is, is choose to choose life. Choose to choose life. He wants to give us life and life abundantly. See, when God does the shaping, folks, we can live soaring. But we have to let Him be Lord. We have to. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.